for joining me today. I have my friend Jim Fuse here, and he is a brilliant guy, has a really incredible background, both in the military, marketing, video. He's a really interesting guy. I'm really excited to have him on today's episode and looking forward to all the insights he has to share. Jim, thanks so much for joining us. Well, Valerie, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Great to get to hang out with you. Like uh, like we were saying before we started recording here, we we could probably talk for for hours because you're just you're just a very interesting person as well, and and always learn from you as well. Yeah, well, yeah, we've met uh, Jim and I met at a few different conferences over the past few years. Uh, keep keep running into each other all over the country, even though we live very opposite corners of the country ourselves. Um, and it's just fun to see the virtual space allowing us to reconnect regularly, whether it's just in a social media post or it's something in real time like this. So I'm uh, really excited. Why don't you give people who may not know you just a little bit of your background, where you come from, um, how you got into marketing, what are you doing now to serve people in the marketing space? That's, that sounds like a great place to start. So I... I'm actually, uh, as I like to say, a first-generation American. My mom is actually from Lima, Peru, and came here in the uh, '60s. Met my dad, who was in the Navy at the time, and so I, I, you know, was born in Indiana. They moved to Virginia, grew up there, played, uh, you know, soccer. That that was like becoming a, a big thing back in the uh, the '70s and '80s. I'm kind of telling my age there. And uh, but then I had this crazy idea when I was graduating high school that uh, I was going to join the Marines instead of going straight to college because I, I needed a break. And so I started out in the reserves, but I went to uh, Paris Island in uh, South Carolina, went to boot camp and had all that fun, fun summer. And then I uh, started college uh, ROTC at uh, Old Dominion University. And then I got uh, commissioned in 89 with a and I had a double major in uh, business uh finance and management when I graduated. And I was just three hours short of a minor in economics. So I was always into the whole business thing. Uh, wanted to actually be an infantry officer in the Marines, but uh, didn't work out the way they assigned things. I ended up in financial management, but I made the best of it. We had our uh, company commander when we go through this thing called the basic school, which is like six months of initial training that said that we were all infantry officers, TAD to our MOSs. So I kind of always kept that mindset of that I was supporting the warfighter. And I was lucky that I always got assignments that were in direct support of those type of organizations. And, and uh, one of those, I guess, little fun facts I like to tell people is uh, I was actually one of the founding uh, fathers, if you want to call it that, of the Marine Special Operations Command in 2006. And so I was the guy in charge of all the millions of dollars that we spent. And I got to travel with the general to Tampa a lot. And I have things that I learned about that I can never talk about, or I have to uh, do bad things to those people. And I get in a lot of trouble too. Um, but I, yes, I retired in 2009 as a Lieutenant Colonel, but I'd always been in the tech. Like I was the guy that the neighbor's like, Hey, can you replace my modem card? Can you do this? And that's, so I always had been into to tech. And so when I retired, I, uh, you know, it's like, what am I going to do now? Right. It's like, I gotta, I gotta grow up. And so I started out in, uh, doing government contract consulting. Cause that's what I, uh, had finished my career up doing some, uh, contracting work. And, but it wasn't like one of those things where you wake up every day and it's like, I want to go write another government contract. That was not what I wanted to do. 
And so I started to see these people in about the 2013, 14 timeframe, they're, they're starting to do this thing called social media. And I started to look at what they were doing for people on like Facebook. And I'm like, that doesn't look that hard. And so I started to teach myself. And then I uh, actually joined, uh, Kim Garst had a program uh, way back then. And I started learning from her. I got onto Google Plus and I was in a networking group. And one of the guys in my group, I said, hey, would you let me do your social media? Like, yeah. So we that's how I started just by, you know, diving in and, you know, charging very little money at the time. You know, right. that's one of the things <laughs> As a business, is that how owner. we all start? <laughs> yeah, would you just give me twenty twenty five dollars an hour? I'd be happy to do this for you. <laughs> and they're like, sure. And then later, you're like, why was I dumb? But uh, but it was a good learning experience. Um, and so then, uh, you know, I started to go to social media marketing world uh, first as an attendee in uh, two thousand eighteen, and I, that's actually where I met uh, Kelly Noble Mirabella and learned about, um, you know, this whole thing, this live video thing that was happening. And so as much as I had, you know, I was even doing workshops for a couple of community colleges and things of that nature. It was like, okay, we, uh, Facebook is telling us, right. All these platforms tell us what they want us to do, but we tend to not want to listen to them and do what we think is going to work and then wonder why it doesn't work. But they said, we want you to go live with video. So Kelly had set up a, like a Facebook live challenge group. I joined it. So I kind of got over that fear of video, right? Can you believe yeah. I had a fear of video? I did. Yeah. And uh, I think we all do. I think we, if yeah. we're honest, we all start out that way. And then uh, I was on a, uh, watching a friend's show and I had started to do, uh, remember Instagram TV? when that was a thing <laughs> and so I had done a few episodes and she's like she asked is anybody doing Instagram TV and I was in the, the audience and said oh I am and of course you could share the link so she had me come on to the show and we talked and Tim Sohn was in the audience and so then he reached out to me he's like hey I'd like to interview you and then you know one thing led to another and then we started doing the Tim and Jim show in August of 2018 and um We've now been doing that for over four years. So I started wow. doing, you know, weekly video. And and trust me, if you go back and look at some of our earlier videos, you'll see it gives everyone hope because uh, we were not <laughs> that good. And, and I think that, and I think that's important that people need to realize yeah. that. It's just like everything else. You got to practice and you got to practice. And so it's fascinating in a way because, you know, then I got involved with Toastmasters, started working on my on my speaking skills because I think, you know, one of the things that we see, especially today, is that there's always going to be change and you have to be prepared to, and I don't like the word pivot, I say shift. And so the fact that I had been doing this live streaming and my business, I completely almost lost my business because where I was living at the time in North Carolina before I got remarried, uh, got hit by Hurricane Florence. So my house was completely uh, demolished by by that storm. And a lot of the businesses that I had been supporting locally in North Carolina were shut down because they had, you know, physical damage or things of that nature. And so I was like, wow. okay, what am I going to do now? And I was working with another uh, friend and then she was like the web person. I was a social media person. It's like, you know, we have to protect ourselves in the future 
and we need to leverage this whole internet thing, right? There's no reason you can't yeah. meet with people in other places. Yeah. So I ended up yeah. relocating to Atlanta in, uh, you know, right after my wedding in October of, of 18. And I basically rebuilt my business and then, uh, you know, <clears throat> did another social media marketing world as a volunteer, continued to do the video, started using StreamYard, which is a, a great program. And, you know, just getting those reps in, who would have thought that when COVID came around, because I had been doing this for that amount of time, now people are asking me, how do I do video? Yeah. So I was getting a lot of client work because people were having to do everything remotely. And so learning that, figuring out how to do things better. And then uh, lo and behold, in uh, July of 2020, Ross Brand put out a YouTube video saying, you can become an Amazon influencer. And it was like, here are the steps. And so I went and did it. And and me and my friend, Chris Stone, who also lives uh, nearby here in the Atlanta area, um, I was like, hey, Chris, I got approved for this, this Amazon thing. We're going to do a show because we'd always wanted to do a show together. And that's how Dealcasters was born. And it was because I had a big following on Twitter because I did not uh, necessarily have the following maybe they would have wanted on some of the other platforms and hadn't really started. And I can't say that I've really still completely started that YouTube journey of the March to a thousand subscribers, but that is definitely one of the, uh, the 2023 goals. But I think by learning how to use video and the importance of it, uh, that's one of those things that I think is just going to continue to grow. Businesses need help with it. And, you know, that's where I think really uh, it's helped me. And then, you know, my, my tagline is marking the Marine Corps way because one, mm -hmm. I've been able to adapt and overcome a lot of things. And I think as businesses, sometimes we got to tell them the hard truth, right? Yeah. Not everybody is going to like what you got to say, but I would rather tell somebody the truth and tell them like, oh, everything's going to be fine. And you not everybody's going to like you. And that's yeah. okay. That's how we got to where we are today. And, and it's been amazing. The last, uh, you know, I, and I, and I, uh, I empathize with people. I really do. And I feel blessed that, you know, God has allowed me to be successful during a time period where a lot of people struggled, uh, you know, business actually grew, uh, and has not, you know, gone away because, you know, people are now aware of the stuff we do because of video, because of social media, but, yeah. uh, we're also having to keep track of the changes because things that used to work don't. I mean, Facebook Live does not get the reach that it used to. And I think a lot of people have, you know, tried to figure out, well, why is that? So maybe it's time to go on a different platform if, uh, you know, where is your audience really hanging out? I think those are some of those things. And, and then podcasts are, I think, starting to grow again. I think it kind of has gone through a weird thing and now everybody's wanting to do video podcast right youtube is now mm -hmm. rolling that out and and that's that'll be interesting to see how that all uh works out and what what do you think of that even though you're asking the question oh gosh well i i do love the fact that you said earlier that like the platforms tell you exactly what to do <laughs> um because i always i always use the phrasing of like you know a lot of times in business people say like you know focus, focus, ignore the shiny objects, don't get distracted. But in social media, the, the shiny objects are your clues. 
when there's something new and shiny that the platform puts out, they want you to try it out. They want you to play with it. They want you to, to be using it and they'll reward you organically for using the new feature. So like Facebook Live, when that first came out, that was like the thing to do. And even still, you can get a lot more reach with live video than you can with recorded video. You can get a lot more reach with just video over static images. Um, when stories came out on Instagram and Facebook and Instagram was rewarding you if you jumped over and did stories, when you went over and did reels, like all of these newer features, the platforms want you to pay attention to the new stuff. So um, yeah, it's, it is interesting, but people, it's like, we're like, digging our heels in the sand of like, and being dragged along, <laughs> like, why isn't this working? When if we would just jump and try what they're making very obvious to us sometimes, uh, you know, yeah, it, it, it kind of goes, it kinda goes back to that, that resistance to change. And, and it is, it is true. I mean, as much as um, I think for me, and I don't know about for you, Valerie, part of the challenge I've seen is I, prefer to create longer form content with video. Mm -hmm. And so trying to figure out how to get it down to that 90 seconds or less and make it meaningful, uh, you know, because when we, you know, things like TikTok, everybody's like, oh, you got to be on TikTok. But it's like, do I need to be on TikTok? Right. Is it really going to help my business, you know, move the needle? Um, maybe at some point, but I think there's, if you're, you're doing well on other platforms, it's like you said, doesn't mean you automatically abandon ship. Like, oh, we got to go put all our eggs here, especially if you're small. Yeah. I really think you have to focus on, you know, where your clients are. And like we were talking before the show, there's a lot of stuff going on with LinkedIn. And if you're B2B, you definitely need to be there. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I see a lot with clients. They're like, oh, we want to have TikTok and this, and that, and the other. And I'm like, okay, are your people in there? <laughs> your people paying attention or your customers paying attention or your clients. Um, and so, but you know, LinkedIn isn't always as sexy. It doesn't always feel as glitzy and glamorous, but the reach and the quality of reach is so much better for some of these businesses like that. Now, if you're selling, you know, cute sweatshirts, LinkedIn is probably not the place for you to be. Um, so you have to be really careful, you know, depending upon what your business is of like where you're going to focus your, your efforts and your attention. I do think like the, the authenticity piece is one that I struggle with a lot. Um, and is sometimes why I have a hard time showing up as me, Valerie Morris on video, or even just on social in general is, um, just wanting to show up authentically and not come across as, I don't know what the word is. I don't want to ever come across as one of those like super prideful marketers that, you know, is like, you know, because there are those people out there that are just like flaunting everything that they've got and they've got it all figured out and all this. Um, so I want to make sure that I'm coming across as like, look, I'm in the journey just as much as you are here figuring some of the stuff out. But at the same time, I want to, you know, have my have my ducks in a row too. I want, I want to come across as educational and informative. I want to be respectful of people's time. So it's like, if I'm going to make a video, I want it to be something you get out of it too. Um, and so that's, that's one of the things I struggle with. And there's just some days where it just can't, 
physically happen. <laughs> you know, yeah, there's no, just think, some days yeah, there's hard stuff great. going on and, or, or honestly, there's some days where I'm so focused on running my agency and my client work that to create my own content is like, I'm the cobbler with no shoes in a lot of situations because I'm so focused on doing well by my clients first. And then my stuff kind of gets pushed to the wayside. That then no, I think that is so true. I mean, like I know my website needs to be updated. I've even uh, gone and bought another uh, theme and now it's figuring out like, do I try to do it or do I hire someone to do it? <laughs> uh, you know, because, because websites are still important. I, I mean, yeah. sometimes tend to forget that because that's the one thing that we own. We don't own these platforms. I mean, at the time of this recording, right. There's a, a bunch of stuff going on in, in the, uh, you know, at least people in some minds like, oh, Twitter, you know, has been taken over by Elon Musk. It's the end of the world. And right. But if it, you know, if it was to go away tomorrow, what would you do? And it's, you could say the same thing about any of these other platforms. So that's exactly. where, you know, the stuff that we've all said, oh, I don't need to do that right now. Oh, email marketing or writing or things that maybe aren't comfortable, I, I think, uh, has been a challenge. And even if you have video and now can't put it on a platform, how would you get it out there? You know, yeah. and that's another, uh, another one of those things that we, uh, we can't, we can't just rest on our laurels and think everything's going to be great for forever. Yeah. Well, it's so true. It's, I have a friend that, um, I met through social media marketing world actually. And, um, she has a ton of books up on Amazon and Amazon had some sort of dispute with her account out of nowhere and shut her whole seller account down for all of her books. It was her one spot for selling and making an income. It's just a reminder that, you know, you are, are playing in rented space on all of these platforms. And so one like diversifying your approach, I think is so important because if one platform goes away or Twitter self implodes or whatever, um, you have some other chat channels where you've built up an audience, but also to your point of like, you own your website, um, you own your email list and you can control how frequently and to who and all this stuff you're going to send stuff to. Sometimes those things just don't feel as, as sexy, but you know, they're so important. Um, and a lot of people, when they think about like their social media strategy, they don't necessarily think about all these other pieces. And I just found being in a similar line of work of, you know, with you of having this kind of consultative, you know, done for you, sometimes DIY approach with clients is a lot of times you're going and telling them, no, you really do also need an email marketing strategy, or you need to improve your website, um, or you need to improve your SEO, or some of these things that I may not be a specialist at. Now, I've built many websites, um, don't get me wrong, but I don't sit here and type code all day long. Right. And, that, and but I think I've had to learn enough yeah. to, to tell a client, hey, this yeah. is what we need to do. Yeah. I, I think that's so important what you bring up there, because I think even in my evolution as a business, right? I, I was, I was doing more of that social media management for people, but I also found some frustrations in doing that because you're relying on the client to provide you that input to be able to turn it into something like, I mean, 
even at like, if I, if you were to hire me tomorrow to do your social media, I would still like, okay, well, what is it you want me to post? And what is your, what is your voice? And when do you want to be the one that's actually replying to these people? Because we may not get it right if we do it without consulting you. And so I think sometimes they think that, oh, I'm just going to hand it off and I'm going to get all this, you know, action because someone's doing it for me. And it's not the case at all. And I, but I also think too, what is, you know, and, and I love your analogy too, right? The cobbler without the shoes is we have to do our own stuff too, because we have to see how that impacts. And sometimes when people are looking at our stuff, that's how they're also judging whether or not they may want to talk to us or hire us. For sure. Yeah. It's this delicate balance of like how much to do or not do. And one of the other things too, is like a lot of, for folks like us, we're, we're experimenting, you know, we're seeing, you know, my, my personal tendency, and maybe I'm just too old, but TikTok is not necessarily where like I'm immediately drawn. Almost every time I log on to TikTok, I'm like, oh, this is so annoying. Like, I hate the fact that it, and maybe I just haven't figured it out, but just the fact that it just auto starts playing all these videos and they're always so loud. <laughs> and like, I just want to go look at my profile. That's what I'm going to do. Right, just get off my lawn. It's too loud in here. <laughs> yeah, it's too loud. <laughs> um, but, and it could be just that I have young kids in the house and I'm like, they're sleeping, Shh, you know, <laughs> but, um, but I am on TikTok and I am, I, I am working on experimenting with different types of content and things that are working or not working because if a client comes to me and says, Hey, we want to do TikTok, I need to be able to intelligently say, well, here's some of the pros and the cons. Here's what would be good for your business versus another business. And um, you know, making some of those suggestions, but if I haven't experimented, so, you know, kind of, feel, you know, as we're talking, I'm like, gosh, it's no wonder I'm so tired when it comes to Friday afternoon. <laughs> There's a lot we got to keep up with our own stuff, experimenting with the new stuff, working on tried and true strategy for our clients. There's, there's a lot going on. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's quite the thing. And then for you to be having two regular live shows that you do so consistently, I just think is, is very impressive as well. Um, that is something that most people, the consistency piece is one thing that a lot of people just really struggle with. Um, so do you have yeah, any yeah, tips yeah. there? This, well, I think, yeah, I think for me, what has been helpful is that I had, you want to call it a co-host, right? Because mm -hmm. it's like, we keep each other accountable. I can see where it's very easy if you're doing it on your own, to all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, this, this, you know, is coming up, that's coming up. I mean, even with uh, our December shows, right, we've kind of had a conversation, um, you know, are we going to, cause we've never really taken a more than a week off and, wow. you, know, uh, you know, Tim had said, well, maybe, you know, I was like, look, we can't, so we can't take a break, but if you need a break, that's okay. I, we'll get a guest co-host, right? That's always another good way. It's a great idea. Somebody has, you know, something going on or, needs to, you know, do some things or whatever. Um, but, you know, consistency is what brings people back because they know, oh yeah, these per people have the show. And I think that's where people with podcasting, you know, whether it's a video podcast or audio podcast get challenged as well, because they're like, when you're, and, and I think sometimes it's easier to have the recorded shows because mm -hmm. you can do the batching, but when you're live, you know, yeah. you've got to set that time aside, you know, it's, it's built into my calendar. So I don't, accidentally, you know, schedule a, you know, potential client call at the same time I'm supposed to have a live show. 
uh, that wouldn't work out real well. Yeah. Uh, you know, but there are, but there are times like maybe you get offered a, you know, to do something like in my case, sometimes it might be a remote production and they're going to pay me really well. And it's like, uh, Tim, you're either gonna have to do the show on your own or we'll get a guest co-host for that week. <laughs> Uh, you know, because you, but it's nice too. You can like balance the load, you know, if you, for example, if you get sick, like I did this week, you know, it's not, the show can still go on. You can figure out a workaround. Yeah. And, and even we had a situation with deal casters. Uh, Chris was in Europe on a Mm pre-planned family vacation and Amazon decided to have, uh, you know, another prime sort of thing. And so I ended up getting, uh, Jeff C and I did, you know, a show at the same time, him on his channel, uh, us on ours, but we were able to still have a show. But I think for me too, and I am actually working on uh, a potential new show. It's going to be more, it'll be a video podcast. I'm still trying to decide whether I want to do it live or if I'm going to record it. Um, And that's going to be more on just the whole world of uh, video, right? Create, you know, because there's all these different live streaming platforms that, you know, could be talking to the people about and, and just what are the pros and cons? Cause each one has yeah. its own unique thing, but it's going to be me and the guest. I'm not planning to have a co-host uh, as I have done, because I think, you know, sometimes we just want to try, it's trying different things. Yeah. And, um, and so that, that's kind of one of my, uh, my goals here in the next, in the next few weeks to get launched. And, and actually Chris has, has been, uh, kind of encouraging me to do that. And, cool. and so I think, um, but yeah, I, I enjoy doing, you know, this, I enjoy being interviewed by people. In fact, that's another thing I would tell you, if you Chris and I have talked about this and when he interviews people that potentially want to, you know, have their own podcast, have their own show, do you realize what you're getting yourself into? Right. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. it can be more, just as beneficial or more powerful to you to just be a guest right because the reality is like when you were on the tim and jim show it's not about me and tim it's about right guests. exactly and and so if you have a guest if, if you're having a show and you're bringing a guest on because you want to have a show but then you try to take over that that's going people are going to see that right? Oh, for so sure. Yeah. The reason to have a show is to highlight your guests, not to highlight you. I mean, it's okay, right? You, you do a little bit of that. So people know what you do, but when you're a guest, you're able to explain more about what you do. And, and so I, I think sometimes some of these people, like I'll say, especially maybe people in the coaching space would be, be- more beneficial going out, you know, using a product like Podmatch. Right. And finding people that want to interview them about what their specific niche is, as opposed to, oh, I'm going to have my own show because then they got yeah. to produce it or they got to get a producer. And then they, then they say, wait, well, it cost how much to have you produce the show? <laughs> <laughs> it's more than $25 an hour. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Well, so you are obviously very experienced in not just what you're doing for clients, but all of these different shows. You got a good pulse on like, what's happening right now. Um, If you were to give somebody listening today advice on just, hey, here's one simple thing to go do today to go hit your next marketing win or to get a quick win today. um, What advice would you tell somebody? Well, I think there's a couple things. First of all, uh, I think sometimes we get too wrapped up in creating content. 
And I think one of the best things you can do is just engage on the platforms as yourself. Help, you know, whether you're on LinkedIn or whatever, and say, for example, you see somebody post something about something that you're an expert at, you know, put your two cents in, but don't also try to be, you know, take over because people will notice that. They're like, wow, that Valerie Morris, she really knows some stuff. I need to talk to her. I need to reach out to her. And I think, Engagement is one of the most overlooked things when it comes to uh, growing your business uh, with social, right? People think, and in fact, I like to use the opposite term too, is I feel like there's too many broadcasters. Oh, sure. They just, yeah. they just throw stuff out there. Look at what I did. Look at me. Look at me. And then when people even comment, they don't even respond back. And yeah. and so see, I see that a lot on Twitter. You'll, you can tell like a lot of times if someone is has a lot of followers but doesn't follow a lot of people back, realistically, that's just their broadcast channel. Yeah. They're not really yeah. engaging with their audience. So I think that's mm. a big thing. Um, and I learned that from a good friend of mine, Jeff Sheehan, who's got like, you know, six figures of followers on on Twitter. But he he's one that I was like, I never thought of it that way. But it's a good point. Um, yeah. you know, even if you were to make a compliment to some big name person, they don't always come back and say, Oh, thanks for commenting or, or something like that. So I think that's important. Um, but then yeah. with video, I think even just starting, you know, as simple as with your cell phone. And of course the phones now, or I guess, I don't know, maybe we should call them smartphones. Maybe cell phones is <laughs> too old school. Cause they're so, so much smarter than a cell phone. Right. Um, you know, recording that video and, you know, using it as a reel or something else. I I have been amazed and surprised. And this goes back to your earlier comment, Valerie, about how, you know, you, and I, and I do too, as well, struggle of like, I don't know, it's like being yourself, but it's like, how much do I really want to share? Yeah. I I mean, because I think sometimes depending on, you know, whatever circumstances in life, we, not all of us are like these big shares that want to share everything. There's some people that overshare. (laughs) <laughs> but I was surprised with some of my reels where I was like, as an example, you know, just finishing the Marine Corps marathon a couple of weeks ago when I was just, I did a reel talking about like, Hey, I just got done with a run and I'm just talking, you know, and, and I maybe shared some other lesson in there and I would get thousands of views yeah. on that reel. Wow. Then I do a reel about business and I get like 50. Yeah. People do love to see the real life. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, but I think, I think g- getting comfortable with video by just, you know, start out with your phone. Don't feel like yeah. you got to spend thousands of dollars. And then I think another place to get a marketing win is Twitter spaces. And I would also haven't done as, as much, but I think it's growing and that's LinkedIn audio because mm. now you can get in a sense on a, virtual stage where you don't even have to be camera ready. Yeah. And you can have conversations and that that is going to also be another place and you can and you can set your own space up and you could say, "Hey, I'm going to talk about whatever." And the people that are interested are going to see that and they're going to come there. And so I think that's where if we want to call it live audio, I think is really powerful. I think but the benefit of say Twitter and LinkedIn is you already have a huge network where with Clubhouse you're still trying to figure out where people are. And I know people still use Clubhouse, but I really think that uh, for me, you know, I would rather already be on a platform where I know most of the people I'm connecting with. And yeah. uh, I think I think there's a lot to that. But uh, but uh, yeah, really for me, the number one thing I try to get people to do 
is engaged. Cause even sometimes, and I don't know if you ever run across this Valerie, you'll create a post, you'll tag a person, you know, you're kind of like even giving them in a way, a shout out. And it's like crickets. Like, yeah. It's like, well, yeah, I'm trying to help you here. Help, yeah. help me, help, <laughs> help you. Help you. <laughs> you know, oh. and, then, and then they say, well, I really don't get much out of the social media. It's like, it's cause you have to, it, it's, yeah, it's social. Back in. Right. Yeah. Let's socialize. <laughs> right. Uh, well, Jim, if people want to socialize with you online and they want to get more from you than uh, they got just here in our conversation today, where's the best spot for people to check you out? Well, I would say my two favorite places would be uh, LinkedIn and just look for Jim Fuse. I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but if you, that's my, uh, you know, actually my URL, right, is slash Jim Fuse. And then on Twitter, it's uh, Fusion Marketing, but it's spelled a little weird, uh, F-U-H-S-I-O-N-M-K-T-G is my handle on, on uh, Twitter. And then, of course, if you want to check out what we're doing over on Amazon, the easiest way is just go to dealcasters.shop to see our storefront or dot .live if you want to see our latest live show. And, uh, and you can also go to timandjim.live if you want to see all the uh, Tim and Jim shows, including the episode with the wonderful Valerie Morris. <laughs> Well, thanks, Jim. I'll make sure that we uh, we link to all of those spots in the show notes. So it's really easy for people to find all of your different uh, platforms and different content that they can consume. And uh, just thanks so much for for sharing with with us today and sharing such amazing wisdom. It, it was really fun for me just to hear a little bit more about your background and um, learn a few new things about you as well. And just be encouraged to get out there and make some content in even if it's not perfect, even if it's rusty, but with the hope that each time you do it, it'll get better and better. And each time you engage, you'll get more authentic and more authentic. So thanks so much. Thank you as well. It's great to be here. If you liked what you just heard, please hit subscribe to make sure you don't miss any of our future episodes. And while you're at it, go ahead and leave us a review. That not only helps us out, but it helps others discover great interviews just like this one. 